Hello and welcome into the Birds and Braves podcast. I'm Luke Winstall, joined by Falcons backup quarterback Matt Schaub. Mr. Schaub, thank you for joining me today. Oh, thanks for having me on the show. You're welcome. My first question for you, after you finish your 2015 season with Baltimore, what about Atlanta and the Falcons organization made you want to come back for a second stint? Well, yeah, I mean, obviously I started my career here and, uh, you know, my family and I, I met my wife here uh, before we went to Houston and we knew we wanted to settle back and, and start putting our roots in the ground in the southeast and we love the city of Atlanta and the area and so we started to do that all the while. I knew Dan Quinn, and I knew the uh, system that we were running here with Kyle Shanahan and his offensive, and I had a lot of uh, uh, time together with Kyle uh, in our Houston days during 07, 08, and 09. And so my relationship with him, knowing Matt Ryan for many years, um, it was a good system fit, a good team fit, and um, you know, for the lifestyle, knowing that we were going to be making our home here in the Atlanta area, uh, it was a no-brainer, and so I was very excited to come back here and be a part of this uh, this city and this organization. With Kyle Shanahan, what made him such a good fit with the personnel in Atlanta, and what made the offense so successful under him in that Super Bowl run? Well, I think a lot of stars have to align uh, when you have a run like that, but his, his, his style and his uh, ability to call plays, um, especially in the no-huddle situation, that suited our offense and what we were trying to get done and what defenses were doing to us. And when you have guys like Matt Ryan pulling the trigger and you have a Julio Jones, a Devontae Freeman, Tevin Coleman, a Muhammad Sanu, um, guys didn't go out and make plays. Austin Hooper was in his uh, rookie year at that time. Um, and, and the offensive line was healthy and played together the entire season. When you have all those factors, um, it sets yourself up to be successful. Now you still have to go out there and make the plays and execute and, and and do those things week in, week out. But, you know, we got to December that year. Um, we really hit our stride. We got on a run. We got hot. Um, we were putting points on the board. Our defense was taking the ball away. And then we got in the playoffs, and that, that stuff continued. And, um, you know, we found ourselves in February playing football. And, um, you know, so all those things have to – all those starters have to align. Um, and when you have that, you know, coupled with great play calling – coaches that put players in position to make plays and, and play to their strengths, um, you know, that, that breeds success. A couple of seasons ago after Shanahan went out to San Francisco, Steve Sarkeesian only tried to change the offense a little bit in the transition from what I've heard. But now that Atlanta's transitioning from Sarkeesian to Dirk Cutter, does it look like Cutter's going to put his own spin on the offense or try to continue that Shanahan blueprint? Well, I think... You know, there's two trains of thought here. It's it's one, if it's not broke, don't fix it. But at the same time, it's very difficult to have an entire playbook, entire terminology and offense in place and have someone come in and say, here, we want you to work with this. That's that's not easy to do. And uh, I've, I've been a part of teams that have tried to do that. And it, it you have periods of success, but you can have some lulls. And I think what needs to happen. I think Sark did this, and I think Dirk will do this too because Dirk has tons of experience of calling plays in, in the NFL and in and, um, and live bullets. And I think, you know, there's going to be subtle nuances and subtle things that he's comfortable with. But the thing that with him coming in is his comfort level with Matt Ryan and Julio and guys in the, in the building 
that relationship's already, that foundation's already laid. So he can just come in here and hit the ground running with what we're trying to do offensively to attack teams. And when you have the personnel that we have, you don't have to overthink, you don't have to overcook things. But I think there's going to be some subtle things that he puts in um, that he's used to doing and things that he's comfortable with. And, and as players, we're trained to adapt. We're trained to learn and we're trained to do what we're coached to do. And so we're all going to get on the same page. And, and you know, we've got a bunch of veterans in, in the room. And, you know, we're going to put things together that make sense for us to go out and be successful on Sundays in the fall. And that's that's the way we're going to approach it. So I think there's going to be some changes and some things that teams see or people see fans other teams see that we've been doing for years and years because there's only so many ways to draw lines on paper at the end of the day and what would you say is the toughest part of transitioning offensive coordinators because Matt Ryan's having to transition again I know for you as you've been in the league you've had a lot of different coordinators what's the hardest part of transitioning well I think that the the main thing is, is almost unrelated to what actually goes on on the field and that's something that I don't think we're going to have to go through this offseason. That's usually the, the relationship, the trust, and getting to know each other on a personal level so that you're just an extension of one another on and off the field. The offensive coordinator and the quarterback have to almost be using the same brain and thinking along the same lines, knowing why something's going to be called, knowing what your quarterback as an offensive coordinator likes to have called in certain situations, you know, those things you have to develop in the offseason and in the summer so that when you get to September, you know, all that's already done. All that legwork has already been put in. Now, that's already happened for uh, Dirk Cutter and, and Matt Ryan from the years together before. So I think that will transition a lot easier for us going into this this change. But So I think when you change coordinators, if that's not there, that's that's hard to overcome. That, that takes time. And... Sometimes that doesn't happen until after that first year together, and then you can evaluate things and move from there. But I think that's probably the, the hardest part. What is the value of having a veteran presence like you at quarterback for the Atlanta Falcons? Well, I think in my role, I think uh, having a, a veteran, a guy that's not only been in the league for a while, but also played a bunch and know what it takes to be successful, know what that looks like, um, and it and in my role, it allows me to not only help during the week for with Matt and, and what he's looking at and kind of going through the game plan and helping him digest it and, and get ready to be go out and cut it loose on Sunday, but also help out other positions, help out the defense with what other teams haven't known a lot of coordinators and a lot of players in the league, helping them with what they're going to see and what teams like to do and help prepare them to go out and be successful on Sunday. And then as well on offense, um, being able to help out some of the young guys with route running or, you know, calls or what we're trying to get done with our game plan and our scheme. You know, there's just so many little things that you can do from Monday to Saturday to help guys go out and not think and go out and react and play fast and cut it loose. And so I, I look at that as a lot of little things that I can help young guys coming to the league get prepared to go out and be successful. In your first stint in Atlanta, you backed up Michael Vick. In the second, you're backing up Matt Ryan. What would you say is the biggest difference in backing up Vick compared to Matt Ryan? <laughs> well, I think I think the, that the, the first and foremost answer is pretty obvious. You know, just, you know, they're two different styles um, when you look at how they play. Um, 
you know, Mike uh, can sling it all over the field, but he was going to try to escape, make plays with his feet outside the pocket, um, and, and he'd still be able to throw accurately and, and make plays down the field throwing if guys in coverage want to go and uh, try to tackle him behind line of scrimmage or try to chase him down outside the pocket. But um, that was a big part of his game, whereas Matt – um, does have that mobility and his ability to create with his feet and extend plays, uh, stepping up in the pocket or getting outside the pocket, but that's not his first thought. You know, he's going to deliver throws on time and rhythm, uh, very accurate, and put him in a position where guys can make plays with it. And um, so I think that that's the main difference when you look at him. And, you know, Matt's had uh, a lot of sustained uh, long-term success uh, doing that. And um, that's credit to him. And, and Mike, you know, he had a lot of success early and then had uh, a couple years off. But then he came back and he played tremendously well when he went to Philadelphia. And so, uh, But their games are just different in that aspect. And you mentioned Matt's had a lot of long-term success. He's been great for the Atlanta franchise. What has been the key, just as someone that works with Matt on a day-to-day basis, to his sustained success? I think it's just his attention to detail. His his ability, to, when he walks in the building, to, you know, he's all about football. He's all about what is taking place right then and there in the present and being able to comb through the details and understand exactly what needs to get done and executing the game plan to attack what we're facing that week. And um, that constant attention to detail and work ethic um, is not easy and it's hard to come by, but he has it. And I think that's one of the main things that allows him to go out each Sunday going into a game, knowing he's going to be successful because he's put the work in and he's been diligent about what he needs to do to execute the game plan. Now it's getting up to be draft season. The quarterbacks are preparing for the draft. I know for you, it's been a while since you prepared to enter the NFL in the draft, but for that transition from college to the NFL, what makes it so tough, especially at the quarterback position? Well, you know, it's, it's been, you're right, it has been so long since 2004 when I came out. The, the process is so different nowadays. And you look at college football in general, and it's so different. Uh, being able to evaluate um, quarterbacks and young players coming from college and some of the systems that you see, um, being able to translate that um, to some NFL offenses. Now, some NFL offenses have started to adapt some of the college stuff to allow for an easier transition for not only quarterbacks but for other position groups. Um, you see that starting to take place this past year. But, you know, being able to project guys and what they can do, and, and some guys, I mean, it's as simple as never having had taken a snap under center always having been in the shotgun from high school to college, you know, that's a big adjustment for a lot of players. And, you know, so some of those things that they have to grind over for three, four months before the draft and then come in and, and try to do um, in an NFL practice in May and June is not easy to do. I mean, another simple little thing is just calling a cadence at the line of scrimmage. Some guys never had to do that. They use the clap or whatever they do in the shotgun in their college offenses. So, but those things aside, you know, some of the offenses and some of the terminology, that can be very cumbersome. And, um, I think that's the biggest challenge for guys is learning how to call plays in a huddle and learning the terminology because, again, some of those players never had to do that. And I think that can be a real challenge for guys. And then after all that, they have to go out and play good. And, 
you know, you have to be able to do that stuff without thinking too much to then just go relax and play football and let your natural ability come out. Um, but, you know, the process is so much different than many years ago when I came out. I mean, the combine wasn't even near televised, and now it's on TV, of social media. I mean, some of these things that these players are going through are so much different than, you know, what was taking place back in 2004. And my final question for you, what does your foundation do and why did you start it? So back in 2010 uh, in Houston, my wife and I, uh, when we were having our first child, uh, we had been doing a lot of work um, in, at Texas Children's Hospital there in Houston and doing some charity work. And, and when we were having our first child, and you know, how much that influenced us, we realized just how much of an impact we could have with children with medical needs and things that we could do for the hospital to help uh, give those, give the kids that are in, in, you know, undergoing certain treatments or, you know, certain hardships that, you know, we could give them something to smile about. And so we started our foundation, the Great Hope uh, Foundation, and it was just to help out kids with medical needs. And, and we built a playroom at one of the hospitals there. We um, expanded the emergency room at one of the hospitals by twofold from 12 rooms to 24 um, through raising money, through through golf tournaments and, and galas and everything. And so we did that for a few years, and then we took a little bit of time off when I went to Oakland and Baltimore. Uh, just for moving around, that made it difficult to really get things going. But uh, we're starting to try to get our feet on the ground and, and get things going with it here in Atlanta and, and working with uh, Children's Healthcare of Atlanta and, and doing things like that. So uh, we'll see. But um, it's been tremendous to be able to see the impact that we can have in some of the kids um you know in the hospital and, and in fact you know we'd like to try to do as much as we can for them but i think they do as much for us as we do for them when you see the smiles and you see uh the carefree nature the, of of them and what they're going through mr shab thank you so much for your time and for joining me on the show hey thanks for having me i appreciate it you're welcome